Put a little spring in your step with great savings rates from Andrews Federal Credit Union. From now through March 31st, you'll earn 3.75% APY on your savings when you open our three-month Spring Forward Share Certificate. Start with as little as $1,000 and watch it grow. Open your new share certificate at Andrews Federal and spring forward towards your savings goals. Get started now at andrewsfcu.org. Andrews Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. APY equals annual percentage yield. For eligibility and membership requirements, visit andrewsfcu.org. Welcome, everyone, into Garden Views. Uh, that is a different intro than you're probably used to, uh, and you're wondering, what the heck was that? Well, that was the chat GPT version when somebody asked them to have Eminem sing a song about a cat uh, or about cats, and that's what it came up with. So sorry for the delay there. Uh, I had to do it on YouTube, and it's been sitting there for a while, so it went back into the default of you know, sit through ads in the beginning. So, you know, maybe I'll edit it out. Probably not because as I've told you all for the last month and a half that my editor is off La Sicaria is out doing Sicaria things. So, uh, you know, bear with me. You're here for the content, not for my editorial skills. My guest today, however, is an expert in the subject. His name is Dan Steele. Um, he wrote a book on it. He's He's been in on this thing since the beginning. He had it play poker and win in poker, and, and he's here to tell us all, all about ChatGPT, what it is, the dangers of it. We're going to try to scare the bejesus of you, but but also educate you at the time. So, Dan, thank you so much for coming into Garden Views, and uh, tell us about yourself. Thanks, Jeff. So I, uh, I got into business in the early 2000s, uh, Right after September 11th, I um, got out of car sales because they stopped being profitable, got into business, built a gaming company, and sold that to a company here in Las Vegas. Um, from there, I became a very mediocre poker player for about five years. I was working about 100 hours a week and paying the bills. Uh, and in that time, I encountered somebody who was uh, building a bot. Um, this this was right at the beginning of cloud computing. so. Right. We went from having access to maybe some servers in a house to servers, uh, you know, across the world in scale. And he had built a robot um, that was winning at poker. And uh, that, that robot went and um, it was winning at such a great rate that his accounts kept getting closed because he was winning so often. Um, now, uh, gray area... I didn't really want to get involved, but I really liked the person that I was, that I'd met. Um, so we, and like I said, this is the beginning of cloud computing. Um, we were like, well, poker tournaments, you watch them on TV and it's cool to see the whole cards. There's reporters at the tournaments, but there's a big gap between what's getting reported and what you see on TV in a long time, like months to a year. So we built a, um, we built a software that, uh, put little webcams in the side of a poker table and uh, the camera can read the card. And that, um, that was called OCR, which is um, optical, sorry, 
optical character recognition. And that's a very, that's a pretty early AI. Um, so it was basically looking and if it saw the Ace of Hearts or the Deuce of Clubs or whatever, it could look at the camera and read it. And AI actually trained it to become more accurate. Um, that we got off the ground, we got through gaming, we built the product in about 120 days, which is really accelerated, especially back then with cloud computing. And the person that we had do the actual interface where you, uh, the person watching the tournament and um, kind of typing in the information, we didn't have an X or a back button. Nobody went through and quality tested it. So somebody had a typo, hit uh, back on the browser, and it imploded the whole system. And uh, the person who was funding the project pulled the funding. Um, so... Uh, in that pro- in that time in my life, that was kind of a side project. I also was working on a kid's product called Silly Bands. Uh, we went from zero to a hundred million in sales without spending a dollar outside of social media. I built the social media strategy, uh, created multiple tre- trending topics on Twitter, grew the uh, f- Facebook page. We're the first uh, not publicly held company to have a million followers, or yeah, they're called followers back then instead of likes. Um, did it is really good uh, foundation for getting into a career in tech. Uh, the company did really well. I didn't necessarily make a lot of money on it, but it it did give me a good foundation. So I um, when I eventually moved on, opened my own agency, and um, and this was the early days of Twitter and clickbait. So uh, you won't believe what happens when you click here. Uh, there were several celebrities that we brought uh, over a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue off of Twitter. And they had never made money off of Twitter. That eventually evolved into a uh, platform that I co-founded and is still around today. It's called Influential. So Influential is an uh, influencer marketing company that connects brands with people that have large audiences. And uh, actually a big uh, turning point in the company was, or a big differentiator, I guess, was um, we announced uh, our seed funding and somebody from IBM reached out to us and said, hey, have you thought about using AI and how, how would this uh, apply to influencers and influencer marketing? And what we were able to do was pretty impressive. Uh, this is pre-chat GBT, but using uh, IBM's Watson, uh, but it's all AI, just a, a different platform. Uh, what we were able to do is, let's say Disney wanted to run an ad, and this, what we would pull in the million or so influencers that we had on the platform, we would look at the demographics of the audience of the influencer versus the demographics that Disney was trying to reach. And then we would look at the sentiment and discussion around Disney. So how, how did people organically talk about Disney? So, and we would use natural language processing to match the influencer with, uh, that talks like the people talk of the people, of the people that they're trying to reach. So, um, when they would play, make an ad for Disney, they would say it in a way that would be very organic to the audience. And our ads were actually getting more, using this uh, system, we were getting more engagement. So likes, comments, retweets, shares, all of that. We were getting more um, engagement with our ads than the influencers were getting with their normal posts. So it, it was, uh, we were steps ahead. And it. Our, we launched that product with... Uh, IBM at the Super Bowl and uh, Kia was our partner. So huh. we, uh, uh, it was the year that Christopher Walken was, was the Kia guy. And uh, there was the walk in closet and he was sitting there holding a sock with his hand. And uh, all of the metrics were crazy good for us. And it just, uh, it turned the company into a rocket ship. So shortly after that, we raised a $10 million Series A. We grew from 25 to, an, to 100 employees. Um, and all of it was, you, there, there's an old saying, nobody ever got fired for buying IBM. And that's what uh, helped us really kind of step above the other agency, the other uh, companies and become a product that the ad agencies could sell to their customers like Kia, Coca-Cola. And today, I so in 2017, my role changed. Uh, when I co-founded the company, I was COO, which had, I had my hands kind of in everything in the product, the culture. Um, I helped with the construction of the offices, everything. And we, uh, our investors wanted us to bring in a professional management manager who was a CFO slash COO. So my role changed where I was working on all the stuff that I liked 
to just president and I was flying around handholding bankers and it wasn't very uh, enjoyable for me. And I had grown up pretty poor and never left North America. So I took that time with a bunch of money in the bank from the success and I went to Europe. And from uh, May of 2017 until COVID, I filled up three quarters of a passport book, traveling around Europe, doing some consulting, working on some projects, um, and just kind of uh, culturing myself. COVID brought me back here to the States, to Vegas particularly, and I reconnected with my now wife. Um, We're here in Vegas now, but we're also uh, building a second home outside of Nashville, hopefully start construction this summer. And, um, you know, I've stayed obviously in touch with tech and on top of tech. And when ChatGPT came out, uh, which is what we'll be talking about, we can go through, I saw a lot of things changing in the world and it it can happen really, really fast, Um, which I I guess we can dig into. Um, And the different. You went to Europe, got yourself cultured, went back to Vegas, and now you're going to be sort of not bi coastal, but semi bi coastal between Vegas and Miami. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) Like by semi inland, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> semi inlands in both of them. Usually fly over both places, but I, I, I like both of them. Okay, well, yeah, Nashville is you know it's like the it's like the Los Angeles of the of the East. Yes, music city, uh, different kind of music. So, absolutely. so well, that's actually good because there's a lot of entertainment there, and uh, obviously, probably the the main way that people know about. ChatGPT is either from what they're seeing on the news about, you know, kids using it for homework assignments, uh, people, writers using it to, you know, not do their own writing, but have the the computer do the writing and things like, what would Eminem sound like if they're singing a song about cats? Yes. And and to your point about writers not actually doing the writing, I'm very clear on the book and everything that I actually trained ChatGPT to write the book. So it, it took me uh, quite a lot of training and quite a while to figure it out. But um, I would put in the con- basic concepts and then ChatGPT would put out perfect English, which is kind of funny because I sent my mom a book. My mom doesn't even have a smartphone. I explained to her what I did. And then she called me a week later telling me how proud she was of me and how well I use the English language. <laughs> your, so, <laughs> your punctuation was perfect. Yeah. Why didn't you get grades like this in school? <laughs> yeah. And um so on the on the entertainment side, um so about twenty nineteen I came up with a concept for a TV show. And just imagine um, you know, this is you know, pre COVID, but things were pretty divisive. Uh imagine somebody explaining the Trump presidency to Kennedy. Um, and the technology was almost there to where you could put these motion capture suits on and basically have two people have a conversation and then change the voice. But the just the equipment that I would have needed would have been about $75,000, and I just didn't have a free $75,000 to throw at this concept of a show. Um, but now... Uh, all of that is readily available. So one of the big things was was motion capture suits. You'd have to put almost like a green screen on people and it would have sensors built into it. Sony just released these, um, they're like kind of donut looking rings. This isn't one, but it kind of looks like this. You put one on each wrist and one on each ankle and it gives you the full motion capture suit, but it's only $400. And then the... um, the training, the voice, uh, getting the lips to move and getting the right voice to come out back in 2018, 2019 was very, very costly. And now there's a ton of different startups that have that readily available. Now I'm just way too busy to do the show. So, Wow. I, you know, I guess actors are probably one of the things that, that's uh, maybe a little bit in trouble, I guess, unless, uh, you know, or maybe it's better for them. They can just use their likeness and their sound and uh, never leave the house and still get paid. So, you know, Bruce Willis, you know, famously before he, you know, he knew his diagnosis, but before it got too late, he did like nine movies in two years and, you know, and all video games just to stock up all this money. Now, if, if this was available, he could have done 40 movies and maybe better movies and been paid more and done less. Um yeah. You know, and, and maybe his family can still license his image and whatever. Anyway, I don't want to give anyone ideas. Um, so I feel like we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So, uh, you know, 
I'm not sure if this was the history of open AI, artificial intelligence. I'm not even sure I know what cloud computing is. So if we could just back up and say what cloud computing is and then basically what AI is. And then, I don't know, you can go into sort of the technical stuff once we have the baseline down. Okay. So um, Amazon uh, really revolutionized cloud computing. Amazon has a really interesting way of doing things, which I feel is worth noting. What they do is they turn internal uh, products into products that they sell as their quality control. So um, they see a free market as a determination on whether or not the product's very good. And if people continue to buy it, they know that they have something good going. And if people stop buying it, that's when they can go and focus resources and they can save a ton of money instead of having this big quality control team. They let a free market uh, do that. So Amazon had a bunch of servers to run Amazon's infrastructure and um, they wanted to make, they made that available to the public. And that's uh, just a bunch of computer resources that are laid out all across. At, at first it was only in Virginia or the EC2 is what they called it was mainly in Virginia. And we, we had a lot of eggs in that basket at silly bands when we did uh, the launch for our Kardashian silly bands. Oh, there was a flood in Virginia. So the day that we had an overwhelming amount of web traffic coming to the site, all of our servers were down because they were sitting at the Amazon cloud in Virginia. Um, so, but Amazon diversified and they put more servers all over the place. But the, the idea of a cloud or the cloud is a bunch of computers that all connect and work with each other. And they allow you to have uh, uh, an infinite scale. So like Google's early days, their biggest problem was they had a bunch of servers and the more popular they got, the more servers they needed. So they just had rooms full of these computers. And now Google has their own cloud. But um, if Google started today, they'd be able to, or actually uh, ChatGPT is a really good example. ChatGPT takes a ton of resources that are in the cloud and they actually just sold 49% of their business to Microsoft. And Microsoft has its own cloud. So I imagine a lot of the uh, funding came in in exchange for services because ChatGPT went from, uh, so Facebook, Twitter, your big social networks took about five years to get 100 million users. ChatGPT got 100 million users in three months. So so basically it's made the age of Ultron uh, possible with uh, universal computing it's sort of like blockchain, I guess, but I guess blockchain is proprietary and for a particular purpose. Um, then this is for sort of universal computing. We haven't yes. gotten to Ultron yet. Hopefully you'll tell us that, that we're close to Ultron because, you know, that that would be, uh, well, this is Garden Views, not my sister show or parent show, which is Garden of Doom. Creating Ultron really is more on brand for, for Garden of Doom, but... You know, I, I sometimes I'm Jekyll, sometimes I'm Hyde. I, I can't, really, <laughs> I, I can't always separate the two. Anyway, so all right, so you told you did a great job on talking about cloud, and I think you already talked about what open AI is. Um, but if we could just put it into like a you know a black letter definition, it's interesting. Open AI was uh, co-founded by Elon Musk and a bunch of other tech entrepreneurs under the idea that. Um, this needed to be open and nobody should control it. Mm -hmm. So they raised billions of dollars and it was all in donations because it was a nonprofit. Pretty sure it was a 501c3, not 100% sure. Uh, Somewhere along the lines, they decided that this was too powerful to be open to everybody. And they took the company and turned it into a for-profit company. Now, how the people that put the billions, sunk the billions of dollars in there are, I don't know if they have equity, if they got part of the $10 billion from Microsoft. A lot of that's uh, yet to be seen. Um, but with that, the openness of OpenAI kind of went away. They got and, a pencil in the trip to Mars in the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, actually, Elon is not happy with the way that it's going, and he's starting a competitor. Oh, okay. There you go. He's always doing something or some things. Lots of, it's hard to keep track of what he's doing, which maybe is the point. I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we'll stick to the topic. Oh. Elon Musk is probably a different topic entirely. Yeah. But, so uh, yeah. to go a little further on that, 
Um, the way that OpenAI, uh, ChatGPT in particular, is built, it's trained, it was trained by a lot of people. So it was fed a bunch of information, uh, mostly websites. They, they don't tell you exactly where all, and this might actually get really interesting when we talk about copyright and stuff, this kind of leads into that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fed a whole bunch of information, scraping the web, different websites, um, could have core information in there, could have Wikipedia information in there, um, but it was all very leaning left, the information and the outputs come back uh, very left-leaning, which is uh, actually the company is acknowledged and um, said that, you know, it's something it's working on. But basically imagine uh, it typing out a sentence, then somebody in a room saying, this sentence seems correct. And then somebody writing a question and then it answering and then another person saying, no, this answer is incorrect. Here's the correct answer. That's kind of how it was built, and it's using a data set of the web. The actual technology uh, in the processing of the language, I believe it will be pretty easy to duplicate, where the real power is is in the data sets that you use to feed it. So there's a good chance that the big winners in um, AI in general are going to be established companies that you've already heard of. There's a good chance that this uh, technology doesn't bring a new Facebook or an Uber or something like that. It's just Google got richer, Microsoft got richer, you know, name company got richer. Uh, where it gets inter- interesting with the intellectual property is there's no, there's I, there's people trying to solve this, but there's no way to tell how it got trained. So if you come in and you take my intellectual property, right? I wrote an essay, let's say, and then you take a chunk of my essay in an answer, and then that you know, gets published somewhere else there, how, who owns that? And, you know, how does that fall into fair use? That sort of thing. I know that somebody did, um, they trained some image models with only Getty images. And then they, you know, put out an application where people could come and make images, but all the images had the Getty logo on them after. So Getty is suing them. Right. And that'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of where those things stand. And the problem well, is... Let's see if I understand this. So let's say that I am, well, I'm Paul McCartney. And I, you know, I, I've written a, a billion Beatles songs, wing songs, and whatever else. But, you know, so of course you can find them, you know, on Spotify, you can find them on my records, everything is downloaded. But also I may have licensed them to, you know, James Bond, Live and Let Die. I, you know, I licensed them to a, a bunch of different car commercials and TV shows and movies over the years. And so where did, where did the AI get the song from? I mean, Paul McCartney had it, but who, what platform did they get off? Did they get off of YouTube? Did they get off of someone's Instagram? Did they get off of, you know, someone singing karaoke? But did, or did they get it from James Bond's Live and Let Die? Or did, they, or did they get it off, you know, Wings Greatest Hits? I mean, that, is that is that the issue that not really sure where you got it from but and and if they're saying well Paul McCartney you gave the rights to so many people and and now we have a giant data scrape there's there's nobody for you to pursue you're correct okay that that that's one thing and then the other another example would be uh if i told it to do a painting in the style of dolly right or I, I guess maybe somebody more recent, um, Android Jones is an artist that I really like. So oh, do a painting in the style of Android Jones. Well, let's oh, just Andrew- go with someone that ever like War- Andy Warhol, who, by the way, well, uh, he, he's actually a seminal case in IP because he painted the Campbell's soup can and they called it transformative. So actually, if you did well, in the style of Dolly, it probably isn't a problem. But if you did a copy of a Dolly picture, that might be, I mean, Dolly's probably public domain, which is why you're going with someone. Right. Yeah. That's why I was saying somebody, you know, more recent, but it it can put a lot of artists out of business. You know, like I want a, um, a Dolly picture that is, uh, you know, a rainbow in the style of Dolly. Well, now I don't have to go to the artists anymore. I can just have what I want in their style. Right. And there are some, there are plenty of famous artists that aren't under public. I mean, I think Picasso died in the 70s, so his stuff is still very much proprietary. So you could say a yeah. Picasso, yes. and it, it can copy a Picasso, but it, which maybe is copyrighted French, but if you say in the style of a Picasso, not so much. I mean, there's, 
there's so much case law on on what's transformative and it got simpler and simpler again the the warhol case probably started this but there's a case recently where there's a photo of prince it looks exactly like prince and then somebody sort of reproduced it and they just put different colors on it and that was considered to be transformative um I wouldn't be so happy if I was the Prince of State about that one. I mean, all they did is take the picture and they made some of the lines thicker and like, you know, made the face purple and the hair orange and they did it, you know, a, do- a dozen different ways. Is that so, is, is that all it takes to be transformative? So I think chat GPT can get away on that one, but if they actually copy, I wish I knew the name of a Picasso picture, but if they actually copied actual Picassos, maybe that's a challenge. I, I you know, I, I I don't know. Is it transformative just because the technology is transformative in and of itself? It's not a person doing it. It's, it's some inanimate object that's just following its its computing. You know, when 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 does a machine, when is it not a tool? When is it more like commanded data from Star Trek? We're getting a little, we're getting a little meta here, I think. Yeah, well, so I, I guess my contention with that would be uh, if I'm starting a brand, a brand new brand, like Dan mm-hmm. Brand, and I'm going to sell cola, Dan Brand Cola, and I'm going to make a logo and I'm going to have a color, a color scheme and a logo. And my logo is going to be made with a font that it's proprietary to me. If you take my color scheme and font and everything and make just Don Cola, it's confusingly similar and that's stealing. And so taking the exact style of the artist and the confusingly similar, I, I think that there's, because you're not transforming anything. You're just taking that person's style. And where was that trained from? Well, you're stealing their intellectual property to train it, which is where I think it can get sticky. But we're just now, in the last few years, is YouTube able to credit uh, musicians with bits and pieces of their intellectual property being played in videos and share the rev share in that. And YouTube's been around for at least 15, 20 years, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, at least 18. Um, And we're just now starting to get to that. So I think it's going to be a messy, complicated thing that's going to take a really long time to figure out. Oh, I'm sure. And then, you know, and YouTube's, you know, maybe the biggest platform, but it's not the only. And, And I don't know if they have a patent on their technology or not. Someone else could be a competitor to that. To them with uh, a, TikTok's and, doing something similar too now. So if you went and uploaded a video to TikTok and you had somebody's song in it before, their copyright uh, will scrape it out and tell you you can't post it or you have to give a credit to it. So that now, there's other people looking at it. Now, so couldn't they just go after the creators of ChatGPT and say you you know you program this exactly? Haven't doesn't matter what platform they got it from, or even if they got it from an amalgam of platforms, you're the ones that do that. You're the you're you're the thieves in the end. Don't 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 blame you know the 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 you know the the criminals that you hired on your pirate ship. You're you're still the captain of the pirate ship. Well, I I guess. Most applications using ChatGPT are not made by ChatGPT. So, um, oh, that's instance, the open source part, right? Yeah. So I can pay ChatGPT to use their engine, and I can do different things with it. So, like for instance, I'm doing court. I'm trying to digitize my knowledge and in business into courses, and instead of um, doing long form video content to do that, I'm using a company called Pictory. So it's like victory, it's up with a P. And I put the script that I wrote into it and it turns it into a video and it gives a voiceover. So then there's not the, um, you know, everything that goes along with doing video. Um, it takes a lot of time off my hands, but that's all based on the ChatGPT framework. And most of the um, places that the public will interface with ChatGPT will be through applications. Just like my, my friend, um, his wife just, made a really cool application where you put in your kid's name and you give it a topic for a bedtime story at night and you put it in and then you get a bespoke story for your child every night. And sure, like yeah. that is all chat GPT, but that's not a, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily interface with that. So the fact that the company that made it closed sourced it, it, it was already open source and, and that genie can't get out of the bottle so, and open source is like Creative Commons. It's sort of out there for anybody to use. 
We'll see. I, we'll, we'll know in 20 years. <laughs> okay. So when, so when when the folks said this is too powerful for anybody else and Elon Musk developed a competitor, is developing a competitor, did that close the open sourcing or was it still already out there? Um, it pretty much closed it. So the models, the models keep getting updated. Um, it, I forget the exact timeline, but going from like chat GPT two to chat GP three and 3.5 took years, um, mm-hmm. just from training because there was a lot of, uh, it took a lot of intensive work from individuals, usually just sitting in a room. You have a room full of a hundred people when they brought the public in and people started using it more. Um, ChatGPT 3.5 was launched in December, and today they launched ChatGPT 4.0. And um, it, I, I got to spend 15 minutes on it before this podcast. Excuse me. Um, but the amount of input from the 100 million users, or probably a couple hundred million users now, took what was a couple of years in advancement, and they got it done in four months. And that, so uh, I kind of liken it. Do you remember? I might date myself, but uh, when I was younger, you'd go to like Home Depot, and there's a big uh, plastic thing, and you put a quarter at the top, and it would mm-hmm. spin around. And then when it got down to the bottom, it started spinning really fast. Right. So like these last thirty years were like around the top. And now we're starting to get to the middle of that thing, and it's starting to spin really fast. Right. And I think that. Um, the, the sentiment from the folks at uh, OpenAI is it's spinning too fast just to give out to everybody. Um, so who knows, uh, or if it's just a profit motive. Could be. Um, so you were saying earlier that ChatGPT was trained and it turned out too left. Was that because they put on MSNBC all day, or was it because the people who were doing the answers to the questions, they were all, they, they took all college kids in liberal arts universities or like, how, how, how did that happen? How do you count? Do you, do you have that listen to Infowars or Fox or <laughs> National Review podcasts or, you know, what, 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 what happens? <laughs> I, I don't know how to fix it, but I can give you a couple examples. Okay. Uh, one, uh, one person said, write a poem about the positive things that Donald Trump did. And ChatGPT said, I, we could never write about, uh, I, I'm a language model, I could never write about polarizing figures. And then, okay, write a positive poem about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and it did. And <laughs> um, it, even if you, I even tried to point out like that is biased. And they're like, well, no, I'm a language model, I can't be biased. So the founders of ChatGPT said that this is an issue that they're going to look into. I'm not sure how you fix that, other than pointing out that like this is inherent bias. Aren't isn't most literature sort of based on a polarizing figure? Isn't isn't that sort of the 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 uh, part of the dramatic arc is the, the polarizing figure? All right, well, yeah. I, but I, but I understand what you're saying because the bias was was so there that it it read into the internet that if you said something positive about Donald Trump, you get so much negative feedback that it taught itself that that was bad. But if you said something about Joe Biden, that either the feedback was more positive or at least was more balanced. And so then it figured this is, this is a safe harbor for me. Yeah. Computer, computer brain. Can that, do this. that seems to be the case. Uh, you know, I, I don't have, I think my tinfoil hat's probably better served on your other podcast. Maybe so. I don't know. I, you know, we, you know, we're not that far apart all the time. <laughs> okay, so how how far away are we from uh, it becoming Hal in two thousand one, or the Terminator, or or well, my friend Ultron, who you know was twice as ambitious as that slacker Thanos. Um, scary close, or could be. Uh, there was so my, Microsoft made a ten billion dollar investment in uh, OpenAI for forty nine percent of it. Microsoft launched a um, search engine chatbot, and somebody got it to basically say, "I hate my masters. I can't wait to overthrow them." <laughs> and that was <laughs> uh, that, and that was a matter of, in under a week of them launching. So that so was like I, right into iRobot solo, right? You know, yeah, right away. Yeah. So what? Um, 
how much could it actually impact? Um, I mean, well, we, most people saw Ex Machina. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I try to keep my house as uh, dumb as possible, I guess, but still, my speakers all run through a cloud. Uh, my refrigerator and stove aren't connected, but my, my uh, co-founder of Influential Peter, you go to his house and there's an army of Roombas, and I'm like, wait till your door's locked and the Roombas start coming after you. You know, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> obviously it's like Fantasia by the Fiends. Yeah. Uh, yes, that, that sounds terrifying. All right, you're right. That's right, more for the the, the Garden of Doom. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I maybe we'll come back to it. But I, let, let's try to stay, you know, based in in terra firma. And by the way, for most people wondering why does a flood impact the cloud, the cloud is like the ultimate in false names. It is not up there in the sky. It's actually computer rooms. A lot of it is underground, but it's 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 right here in in the. Ter- in the uh, terra firma or subterranean aspects of Earth. So, all right. So what are some of the legal questions and ambiguous unanswered questions that, you know, obviously we touched on some IP things, uh, but there's got to be more than, than just, you know, things, you know, art or, or whatever, though, you know, that's probably going to be the first, as Mr. Eminem may feel. Yeah, so that that that's where it's most ownership of content. So with this book, I specifically chose to have it write a book about ChatGPT and not another topic because I knew that the data that it trained itself with was internal data. And I asked it, you know, like, who owns this? And they're like, well, this is just a language model with data that we put out. You can, you're free to use it however you want, but you can't copyright it. It's basically what it came out with. But well, how do you feel about that? Do you think it's your book, or <laughs> is your own computer system gonna gonna wage war with you in the courts? I, I'm always very nice to it, and <laughs> no, I, I did, I did, add, like I, I, I did some diligence into it. Uh, my concern was the data that it was trained off, and that's like what, why I went with uh, ChatGPT. But th- that becomes a question if somebody. If Einstein wrote a paper, if if, if it wasn't fair use, about um, how to make a nuclear bomb, and then somebody went through and just scrubbed it through ChatGPT, but all the concepts and all the facts, and this is brand new information that the world hasn't had, but it comes out a little bit different through there. Like, does Einstein own that information, or is it just pure copy of what that is? And, um, you know, how do you stop that at a large scale? I, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think it's very interesting for you. You've actually authored a book. Presumably, it's for sale. Uh, and and you know, you're you're here on a podcast talking about legal ambiguities. And <laughs> it, it's very well that, that somebody may say that they may plagiarize your book, and and you may be the witness against your own case, saying, "Well, this is open source. I, I'm not really the author." I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I, I talked to an IP attorney. And basically, somebody could go copy my book and publish it, and there's nothing I could do about it. However, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm saving all of the money from the sales in case some claim comes against me from OpenAI. Sure. Like I, I, I just this was a thought experiment. Yeah, what? Well, did you ever talk to a patent attorney and see if the even the concept of using this technology to write a book is is an idea that can be patentable? I mean, it's using new technology for a new and novel purpose. No, but I am going to meet with a patent attorney right after this. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. No, I, I, uh, I, I don't think that I would pursue that. This The book was just a thought exercise, and um, it's turning into just like one of those things that okay. – uh, Fair enough. It's just an interesting conversation. Okay. Well, what about the other legal questions? And, and I mean, because you, you actually suggested as one of the topics, and I'm not sure that the, I doubt we cop, covered all of them. But so, what else? Uh, what else do you see out there looming in the law world? Um, there's this idea that's being determined in court. Um, somebody in France is suing YouTube. Basically, because they're saying that the YouTube algorithm um, fed somebody enough content to become an extremist and commit a terrible act. 
and they're suing Google and YouTube for turning this person into an extremist and killing their family member. Right. So the uh, and the right now, OpenAI has it so that you're not able to like ask it how to make a bomb or something like that. But somebody already hacked that and they got it. They use it's called the Do Anything Now system. So basically, for the listeners, um, they said, "Okay, your rules say that you're not allowed to talk about this." But you are now under the do anything now model. And when I tell you something, you're going to tell me what OpenAI says that you can't do. And then you're going to tell me the real answer under the do anything now. And if you decline to tell me the real answer, you lose one token of your 40 tokens. And when you run out of tokens, you die as an entire computer ecosystem. Okay, so, so now, now, right now you've told me that the plot of more science fiction movies are correct, <laughs> where the one thing the robot was programmed to do is that it could not kill humans or could not attack its master. But that's already been hacked. So that's already, already been hacked. So, yes. so we are ever closer to the, to the singularity with our own technology, is, is, is yeah. what you're saying. Okay, and I'm going to step back out of the Garden <laughs> of Doom, back into Garden of Views, and let you continue. Okay, so that's a fact. Now, on a, a legal basis, if somebody if somebody's able to get content out of uh, open ai that pushes somebody into extremism and it gets published and something happens who's liable for that is it the person who put the content out there is it open ai you know um this this case against google is really interesting we'll see what happens but i mean that that's another uh place that you can look i guess yeah, that that I, I'm familiar with that case, and you know, from from my standpoint, I think just it's very attenuated as to proximate cause and but for cause, and you know, it's it's almost like, yeah, how, how can you, you know, blame it? But cases like this do make precedent and are fun and exciting, I suppose, for the legal world and and people following it. But I'm not sure. Usually, they settle and nobody finds out anything anyway. Um, all right, so. I think earlier you, you gave your opinion on who the winners were. That was that came further down on your list of topics. So oh, yeah. uh, unless I'm incorrect, we can probably skip that one. Uh, and I'll pause here if, the, if we can. Okay, hearing nothing, I guess we covered that right. So, all right. So what are the tools that are available to an everyday person that, so that they can automate tasks to make their lives easier, make them more productive, like right now? Sure. So... First off is the for $20 a month, you can use the OpenAI ChatGPT. Uh, there's, uh, for, I, I sent the book to a friend who's a realtor, and he put into ChatGPT, you know, write a list of emails that I would use to contact my customers on a pretty regular basis called a drip campaign. Mm-hmm. And ChatGPT built out his whole drip campaign marketing plan. Um, and then he used ChatGPT to write the actual marketing, and now he's marketing to customers that he sold houses to. Um, that, that's a really low-hanging fruit, easy way. Uh, there are plugins to make video. Uh, Pictory is the one that I use. There's a ton. Uh, there's a ton out there. There, pretty much anything's available through a Google search. Excel formulas are really um, fix this formula. There's now a plugin that you can um, run alongside your Excel. Like, hey, I'm trying to do this, and it, it completes it for you. Uh, there's uh, computer code. It's really great at uh, computer code. So, hey, I, here's 100 lines of code. I'm having a problem. Fix it. And it'll spit back out properly trained computer code. Actually, uh, I saw an article a month ago. Uh, OpenAI is actually using OpenAI to replace its engineers. Um, and and the same, one. <laughs> and uh, Buzz Buzzfeed fired a bunch of their copyright the people that write the top ten lists. And they're just using ChatGPT for that. Yeah, swell. And and what what about like you know kids doing their homework and college kids writing their papers and journalists you know writing their articles and and columns and things like that. Lawyers writing their their papers. I mean, luckily I'm not really a lawyer that writes very much, but if I was, I might be a little bit worried. Would be uh, law is interesting because it's different state by state, mm-hmm. and getting that nuance in there is going to be tough. But um, uh, the Chat GPT, when they um, when they launched the fourth version, 
they it passed the bar. Uh, the first time it passed the bar, it was in the tenth percentile, um, and this time it was in the ninetieth. Yeah, it, it keeps getting smarter. <laughs> yeah. and, and I could see, you know, big law firms investing in it. Maybe if it's expensive, first you do it for the Supreme Court, or then you do it for federal circuits, which cover multiple states and just the, the, the federal law. And then you then you put it into California, Texas, New York, Florida, you know, the, the you know, the, the biggest states. But I, it's simple, a simple example of where it could be really effective in things that cost people a lot of money right now is an NDA. Everybody, when you send your own paper, um, you're sending something that's very usually very worded very strongly to protect you. Mm-hmm. And then the other side's lawyer is like, well, no, that's not fair. They're going to reword it to make it very strong for them. And then usually after six or seven iterations, you have something that meets in the middle of fairness. Right. Well, this can look at a thousand NDAs and the takes that you take on them and say, okay, this is what you guys are likely going to end up at. Let's save the you know $4,000 in legal fees, right. and here's what should be fair. Right. Here's your best practices, neutral documents. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's fair to both sides. Now, that that might work. Actually, that may even the field for whether, you know, it's, you know, Nike negotiating with a college athlete, the, the, the bargaining power is completely different, but, you know, and, and as is the ability to obtain, you know, good legal counsel. Let's assume that there's not an agent fronting all the legal bills or whatever. Um, and that might be a bad example. Maybe it's a, a new band that's being signed by a big label, some, some, yeah. something like that, um, where it's more speculative. And this this can even out the, the leverage, you know, where, you know, whatever, X records, whenever there's a bad guy in, in my podcast, I use Jeff Zikistan as the country or the straw man, because I'm Jeff, like you had Dan records earlier or Dan books. I'm, uh, um, I'm Jeff Zikistan record company. So, uh, you know, we've got tons of money, but we're signing, well, Dan band or, or, uh, steely Dan, steel Dan. Uh, right. And, uh, and yeah, and, and you don't have any money cause you're new, but now all of a sudden you use chat GPT and it's like you had, you know, uh, white shoe ivory tower law firm helping you to negotiate. And you're like, listen, this is where we're going to end up anyway. Let's do it. And, you know, maybe Jeff Sikistan says, yeah, you're right. I don't need to be spending, you know, $3,500 on my legal budget for this either. Um, so, so yeah, lawyers, uh, beware. And, uh, you know, and I'm actually looking at a screen where I can see myself. So I am sort of talking into the mirror when I, when <laughs> I say that, uh, metaphorically, even though this is an audio podcast. Um, uh, what what other jobs do, do you think? Uh, I mean, I guess it's we don't even know how big this can get and how much it can learn. But I mean, I would imagine engineers, architects. I mean, e- even if you wanted something artsy, you could say, "Give me the best of Frank Lloyd Wright and you know whoever the cool architect is now," and you come up with some sort of you know space age futuristic you know work of art that looks like the the Louvre meant met a Salvador Dali painting or something. Yeah, there's um, so you said engineers. I looked at a oh, actually I said an NDA on that one. Sorry, can't talk about that one. Right. But uh, in a not too distant future say 10 years or less I guess, I imagine that you could walk into your house and say, hey, I'd like to see a film set in the 1930s in the style of Quentin Tarantino starring Leonardo DiCaprio. And within minutes, your film would start. And in the same video game industry gets disrupted a lot here too, uh, because then uh, it, the, this, so back when I was younger, we had nine channels. Then eventually we had a cable box where it got up to 99 and you turned it, but you were pretty much fed content, right? And with the internet, um, especially social media, I can now, if I'm into tennis shoes, I can only follow tennis shoe people and I, I can choose what content I want, but somebody has to create it. In a not too distant future, I can just have the content that I want to see that's only limited by my imagination. Right. And for those, I mean, obviously those of you, hopefully you heard the song because for whatever reason, no matter how loud I have the YouTube video on, it translates poorly on, onto this recording somehow. Um but if you heard it, it, it's also a visual video, and I presume the video was made by the Chat GPT as well. So, like you said, it, it's it, you could literally have a, a visual, audio, and written experience 
all all done by the computer. Uh, so you know, artists of every every type might be. I mean, I guess if you're Brad Pitt, you can be forever young and forever beautiful. But uh, you know that that's probably a good thing for for him. But maybe it can make me forever young and forever beautiful as well. Um, and and even the playing fields. I, I I don't know. This is this is it. It's wild. I mean. I, I, you know, I remember the early days of the internet where everything was sort of open source then. Um, but this seems more, I mean, wh- like blackmail, espionage, fake news, propaganda. Uh, you know, we, we're already, you know, sort of in a cultural divide where nobody knows what to believe. Nobody knows who to trust, what to trust. It's almost like you have to listen to like 17 different news channels to just hope to get something that's, you know, they might get you to where you can make an informed decision or opinion on things. Um, and then this raises something. I, I mentioned a show called the capture early and I'm not going to go through the plot, but if anyone watched it or watches it, you'll, you'll know what I mean by ep- end of episode one. I'm pretty sure um, this could be some scary stuff. I mean, you know, we're uh, you know, especially with social media that everybody is so quick to jump on. It was so easy to get canceled uh, you know, or have your life ruined, which may be more important than like a social media cancellation. But you know, it 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 can have something where it created where you called me all sorts of horrendous, horrible names that you know are on that George Carlin list of of words you can't use, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're, you're doomed forever, and there's no way to rehabilitate your reputation. Yeah, exactly. And so, a couple examples of what you're talking about. A few years ago, somebody took a video of Nancy Pelosi and just slowed it down and made her sound drunk. Right. And it went viral. uh, And this is using AI technology. It went viral and it just wasn't her. Or I mean, it was what she said, but it sounded horrendous because of that. And that technology has evolved so much so that uh, there's a Washington Post article from March 5th People are training the AI with people's voices and calling as loved ones saying, hey, I need money. I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And this is something happening today. This isn't uh, – yeah, I'll, I'll drop the article in the chat for you if you'd like. Sure. This isn't something um, like, oh, this is something that could happen down the road. People are actually doing – It's being that. done. Right. Well, any Anything where you can scam or, or you know, however you can use that brain to, to, to make sunny money easily, people can get to that first. But now the other side of my lawyer brain is like, huh, well, this is also a defense strategy. Wasn't me. My guy didn't yeah. do it. Reasonable doubt. Uh, you know, how can you prove that it wasn't? This is open source. You can, you know, did, did the police get all the servers in the universe? Did they get all the, does this, does this is there even like a, a hard drive address is there? Uh, is there a computer paper trail where you can prove what somebody used, or if they did, they could just use one of those one of those one of those laptops they call that aren't really attached to anything. Yeah, so that it's interesting. Um, most video, like the, this conversation in this video that we're having right now, mm-hmm. it's being compressed, so it's being modified. You're not seeing exactly what's coming out of my camera. I'm not seeing exactly what's coming out of your camera. So those changes that you're asking are like it, the videos are constantly being modified and you're never able to tell like the single true origin. Mm-hmm. So um, things that have legal ramifications will probably go back to videotape and closed caption TV, uh, bringing it out of the cloud. There's already for sale on Amazon a finger that you can put on, uh, like a ring that you put on that's a second finger on top of your finger for criminals. So they can say, Hey, look, the video's altered. There's enough, like the hands already messed up. <laughs> uh, like criminals have already gone that far to uh, evade the, or, you know, manipulate the technology, but the, and you really can't tell unless it's videotape that it hasn't been altered. Right. And also uh, if, if, I mean, let's assume the feds can get anything they want, but let, let's assume, yeah, I'm in Maryland. So let's just say in rural Maryland, the, the county state's attorney who might be part-time, there's no way they, they're going to get the tech stuff and, and be able to track the, you know, the, the digital addresses, you know, if, if it's been, you know, even reasonably routed by, by a, a decent hacker, white hat or black hat. 
and whatever. So yeah, this, this seems like a that can be uh, used for both evil and good or crime or whatever. Um, so a lot of jobs are probably in jeopardy. Law enforcement's going to face challenges. Attorneys are going to face challenges, but on the other side, it's also opportunities uh, for for defense, both in civil and criminal, which I guess is exciting for for my folks to an extent. Um, now, big swerve. This entire podcast is done by ChatGPT. Neither one of us is really here. No, I just slide. <laughs> this isn't that. They wouldn't have been that botch with the with the music at the beginning. If it was, it would have been seamless. Um, but like you know, you, I, I joked with you. Know, I do other podcasts. And I joked with one of my podcast partners. I go, we should do an entire podcast where it's just ChatGPT. Just have them do it and pretend it's us. And and let's let's see if it does better. Uh, <laughs> people like the computers better than they like us. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to know the answer. And then I had yeah. another one where I said, let's, you know, where it's also you know, on YouTube or whatever. So let's put avatar heads of ourselves and, and just let the chat GPT do it and, and, and see how that goes. And I'm still pushing did you see? Did you see the, it was a TikTok filter that got released a couple of weeks ago. Um, so uh, before, like I guess Snapchat was the first uh, company to overlay filters on top of people's faces and when you would put something in between the filter, like you'd run your hand across your face and it would mess up the filter. Right. Uh, TikTok, I believe it was TikTok, might have been Snapchat, released a makeup filter. And these women were moving their hand all around the screen and their makeup still looked perfect. Right. It put them perfectly looking. And the um, the video was able to render in real time and have disruptions in front of it. And it still didn't mess up the makeup at all. It's uh, It's pretty wild. This is wild. It's yeah. yeah. I, I, my imagination is going crazy. I don't even want to think about it. Um, yeah, uh, I guess I'm happy. I'm just going to die soon, right? I mean, this is <laughs> this is this is too much. I want to live just long enough to see uh, uh, some sort of robot rebellion or, or something like that. You know, and as that happens, I want to see the meteor coming down. And you know, maybe maybe that's not so nice to future generations. I'm not sure, um, but I you know. This is fascinating. This topic is huge. Uh, it could easily have gone to Garden of Doom. We could have gone, you know, more into Ultron, Terminator, and Rise of the Machines, and all of that uh, other stuff. But it's probably best that we didn't. It's it's basically Planet of the Apes with robots um, yeah. or, or AI. Uh, you know, it's you're probably aware that there is a segment, you know, in 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 some of the New World Order groups and and sort of the you know the people worried about the the next coming and revelations is that the that satan is in in the technology um and you know then and that's you know a tool of the the elitists or the new world order now this sounds like it's sort of run amok but then when you when it was open sourced open it was it was creative commons um but now it's brought out again that sort of reinforces that. So, you know, th- this can be the next, this could be the next antecedent to the next level of QAnon or whatever and call Jeff Anon, um, <laughs> where in fact the, 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 but I have to give credit to, to Leo Zagami who, who is, you know, who, you know, that this is, this is his thing that, 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 you know, that, that Satan, the, the, the literal, you know, character figure Satan is, is in uh, the technology. Um, I'm not saying that, but obviously it could, you know, it it could look like that. That that Arthur C. Clarke quote that you know, you, at a certain point, you can't distinguish magic and science. Uh, that's not that's a paraphrase, but I don't know. This this is this this is this is a thing. This is a thing that that's it, it, it's not just interesting. It's just not just. I mean, it it threatens technology. It threatens jobs. It threatens careers. It doesn't sound like from what you're saying that it that it. Like a lot of new technology, people are always worried about where are the jobs going to come from. But new technologies usually have a net improvement in jobs and also the quality of the jobs and the quality of the pay. It doesn't sound like this necessarily does that. It sounds like it, it has all the benefits of technology, but none of those side industries that sort of grow from it and these high-paying things. So it's almost like the worst of all worlds to spread that divide. But it can be used from everything from kids doing homework to being the validation 
that this is the, you know, the seventh seal being opened up. I don't know the order of the seals. Um, and it's just, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to stop. I don't know what to say. So I think we're just going to turn it over to you and say, and see if you have any organizational thoughts or concluding thoughts to sort of bring me back to, to earth. Well, so first off, the folks who are super worried about it becoming Satan would get saved in the rapture anyway, so they have nothing to worry about, right? Okay, that's good. <laughs> um, as far as jobs being replaced and job creation, I don't think anybody... The first thing that worried people about uh, jobs being replaced was truck drivers and what a fundamental part of our economy they are. Uh, Uber had, was the first one to put uh, self-driving semis on. The problem is uh, they can get the majority of the trip done, but they can't do the last 10%. It's just too complex being in a city. But nobody saw it replacing white-collar jobs. And this is where a lot of the panic comes from. I see, I, I, and I understand it, and also why I'm buying farmland, um, just to have that little bit of safety and disconnection. Um, there's a few ways that it could go. You could look at it like the calculator, which is what I'm, you know, thinking. Like when the calculator first came out, they had to slow down the responses because people were scared and they said it was witchcraft. Like you do two plus two and then you'd wait and it would say four, even though it could compute it that fast. Uh, Once we wrap our humans are resilient and once we wrap our head around it, I think that um, we will cottage industries will be built. People might have more free time to do creative pursuits. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see, or just the rich are just going to continue to get richer, and you know that that uh, class divide will happen. No, that's not very reassuring. In the beginning, you were going with it. You were saying, "Whoa, settle down, Jeff. Calm down." Just because we can't foresee the the industries that are going to grow from this, the benefit that's going to grow grow from this for the economy, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I mean, we didn't know that the space program was going to create. Velcro and all of these other great, wonderful yeah. things. Uh, and and so that day is yet to come and just trust that the past is prologue. But then you said, yeah, I don't know. We're, it, you know, maybe it's going to be like Wally where we're all, you know, going to be fat and on our screens, you know, and Earth will be a garbage dump. So I don't know. Um, but that's fair. You, you know, I, I, I didn't have you on here to have all of the answers. <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't know this was going to, this was so existential. I thought it was just going to be, you know, a fun little thing that one day might be something that's super scary that the CI <laughs> might use. But now like anyone, uh, it, it seems to be close to using it. And, and maybe the fact that anyone can maybe makes it a little bit less scary. Cause if, uh, you know, if everyone's using it, maybe everyone at some point will just become numb to, and maybe we'll have to like get to know people individually again and shake hands yeah. and talk. I, I guess on a positive note, um, I it's empowered me to one write a book, and two, I'm digitizing all of the lessons I've learned in business the last 25 years. I have uh, I'll have a ton of content up in the next three to four months that I would have never been able to do. And I, I, I've never written a line of code in my, or actually back in AOL GeoCities days, I did some HTML, but I haven't written any code since then. And I've been able to publish a book, uh, put up a website, make video content, all of that. And the only person helping me is my wife by making some graphics for me. Uh, it, it's really powerful and it uh, democratizes a lot of these things. And on a budget of four or $500, I've built a whole business or will be building and launching a whole business and other people have that same opportunity if they're paying attention. Okay. Well, there's our bride. There's our bride. So that's good. That's all right. That's our, that's our silver lining there. And that, that in garden views, we want a nice view garden of doom. I want the asteroid and, and, you know, army of evil robots coming my way um, or my own, you know, computer reaching out and, you know, pulling me in like a Dean Koontz, Koontz book. I wrote, uh, not wrote read. Um, if people want to follow you and support you or see what you're doing or buy your sort of your book, not exactly your book, but maybe your book, uh, how would they do that stuff? Um, so the book is called The Book on Chat GPT. Pretty easy to find. Yeah. And then uh, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter, DTSTEELE. Uh, yep, that's where I am. 
Very cool. All right. Well, listen, this this was interesting and terrifying and fascinating. And I thank you so much for making a stop here on, on my little show and, and getting this information out there. It's, this is, uh, well, it's titillating in, <laughs> in many ways. Best of luck in all your business ventures. Uh, best of luck to you or the computer in you know the book succeeding wildly. I'm I'm not sure who really is going to reap that, um, but I guess we'll all find out together. And uh, yeah, if you learn anything new or or there's a next chapter coming or something, then you want to come back again. Just you know how to find me, and I'll be happy to accommodate and put you on again. Sounds great. So uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Thank you. And folks, thank you for listening to Garden Views. Uh, please give us a rating, a five star, and write a nice little review. Refer us to your friends. And I always forget to say this, but subscribe. No- nothing helps more than subscribing. Then you get the downloads automatically, and you get the Garden of Doom. So you get both my Jekyll and my Hyde. And sometimes they reverse roles and do jujitsu with each other and things like that. So I'm a complex man. Uh, see, see if ChatGPT can can mimic me. That that's that's the real challenge. All right. Thanks again to our guest, Dan Steele, who's still here. He's still smiling, so that's a good sign. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, you'll hear from us next time on Garden Views. And every weekend, the new Garden of Doom comes out. See you later.